This is Sermonsmith, a bi-weekly conversation about the craft of sermon preparation, and my name is John Chandler. Have a unique interview today. Not really that unique. We still talk about sermon prep, but it's with Jeff Cady. Oh, man. I said his name wrong in the interview, and here I am saying it wrong here. Jeff Cady. I almost said it right. Jeff Cady and Johnny Craig, who are the co-hosts of the 200 Churches podcast. I was actually unfamiliar with their podcast. They started... Uh, a little bit before Sermon Smith, and it's a pretty well-known podcast. I stumbled on them because I was looking into a future guest and found that they had interviewed him. You'll hear that mentioned during the podcast, and I realized these guys are doing some great stuff. And from time to time, there's a lot of good church leadership podcasts out there, but when I find one that's hosted by someone who's doing day-to-day church ministry and including preaching in that, I always think it's fun to kind of cross-pollinate the podcast, so I reached out, and here we are. The fun part of this is they also interviewed me, and so a day after this interview goes live, an interview with me on the 200 Churches podcast is going to go live as well. You can find them. Just search on iTunes for 200 Churches. Go to 200churches.com. You can hear a little bit more about them. But they also do ministry together at a church called Dover Church, which is in Orange City, Iowa. They might be the smallest town uh, pastors I've interviewed to date. There might be a couple other contenders for that, but it's it's also good to hear just the unique flavor that they bring. Uh, but especially the, what came to this is how closely they work together Uh, and have worked together both in their sermon prep and even doing occasional sermons together. They don't prep together all the time, but it's just fun to see the interplay as they've got so much rapport with each other from their own podcast, how that comes through in their preaching, and you'll hear that today. I mentioned iTunes as a place that you can find them. One of the things I'm going to mention here for the next couple podcasts is I want to do a little bit of a campaign and see if we can build up the iTunes ratings for this podcast. I want to thank, uh, first of all, we had a recent review. I I don't even know that I can pronounce it right, but from Hufitu, H-U-F-I-T-U, thanks for your review on iTunes. As of right now, the beginning of April, we sit at 40 ratings on iTunes, and I know that that's a good way to help spread the word just from all my podcasting friends. So if you have never left a review or, or if it's been I think I've heard that they put like a one-year limit between any reviews. So even if you've reviewed before, I would love to see if we can build that up by 50%. Go from 40 ratings to 60 ratings. Uh, So maybe you can make a note right now if you're in your car. Maybe you can stick a sticky note on your forehead so it'll remind you next time. Or if you're sitting in front of a screen right now, if you'd take the time to review the podcast on iTunes, that would be very much appreciated to help spread the word. Thanks so much, friends, and let's get into it with Jeff Cady, I said it the right way, and Johnny Craig of Dover Church and the 200 Churches Podcast. So I am with, I I had to look this up to make sure because you sprung this on me. I thought I was interviewing one. I've got two. So I've got Jeff. Jeff, you pronounce it Cady, right? Katie, K and a D, a KD. Yep. See, here's what's confusing because I was pronouncing it one way and then I listened to your podcast and you you pronounced it the other way, and then I got lost because I couldn't remember which one I was thinking and which one was actual. Exactly. So, okay, I'm not. I, this is all going in too. This is going to be included. I'm with Jeff, Katie, and Johnny Craig. I can pronounce yours, Johnny. It's easy. And easy. yeah, so I found you too. Um, you know, actually, you know how I? I'll tell you how I found you because this is a little teaser. I was looking up Ken Shigematsu, who I'm going to interview on Sermon Smith in the future, oh. and. I found that he was this guest on this other podcast called 200 Churches. And I'm like, well, what is this podcast? And so here we are. I've, I found you guys through that. I'm not here to talk to you about your podcast, but 
I'll let you talk about your podcast so that, you know, people, people might want to listen to it. But I'm here to talk to you because you are preachers who preach and we want to talk about the craft of sermon preparation. So why don't you take a little bit here, just take a moment. You guys can talk a little bit about what your podcast is all about, just so people know about that. And then we'll get into more of the context of your church. Well, John, thank you so much for that kind introduction. <laughs> the only you thing we're going to... You have a much better radio voice than I do, too, by the <laughs> way. That's funny. Picking into that answer. Hey, the only thing we're going to say about the 200 Churches podcast is that it's a podcast specifically devoted to pastors of small churches. Now, we've got middle-sized, large, and extra-large church pastors that listen, but we are a podcast by small church pastors for char- for small church pastors yeah. and the podcast doesn't suck. It's a great <laughs> podcast. We're over 200 episodes in. We've got yeah. phenomenal partners that have uh, guests. guests that have partnered with yeah. us over the over the 4 years and if you're in a church of around 200 give or take 100 or 2 you'll love the 200 churches podcast. Yeah, my guess would be that your audience John and ours would cross over quite a bit. Yeah. So yeah, I would guess. Yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. All right. Well, there it is. Well, then let's talk about your church. Let's talk about uh, Dover Church in in Iowa, Orange City. Did I see Orange City? I'm getting it back. From Orange City, Iowa. Talk about talk about Dover Church. Uh, yeah, we are in Orange City, Iowa, which sounds so tropical, but it is anything but. Uh, it's freezing cold, actually, nine my, nine months out of the year. <laughs> it is. <laughs> but, it really is. But uh, we, so Jeff and I have been here together for about five years, and um, he's been here. How long have you been here, Jeff? 13, 14 13 years? 13 years, yeah. 13 years. So, you know, Jeff, Jeff knows this context well. It's a small town, but it's a very white-collar town, um, an affluent community, I would say, an educated community. A lot of small towns in the Midwest are anything but that, and that's fine. But ours is kind of an outlier in that way. So a lot of Why industry, is a lot of business. Um, I think there's a small liberal arts Christian college in town, and another okay. small liberal arts Christian college 15 minutes away. Truthfully, mm-hmm. so I think that a lot of a lot of kids who go there stay. And then there's there's really good, um, there's really good businesses in town that employ a lot of people. We have Staples around here, Diamond Vogel Paint, maybe you've heard of that or not, but they that's a big uh, you know, place that employs people in town. So it's a good it's a very good place to raise a family, a good place to work and live for young professionals and I think that is reflected in in the kind of the the wealth and the health of our town. Yeah, and and at the same time, we're a rural community. Right. So we're set in the cornfields of Northwest Iowa. Uh, and yet it's like this, its own little tiny metropolis surrounded <laughs> by cornfields, bean fields. And uh, like Johnny said, it's more, it's educated. Yeah. Uh, there's, there's plenty of white collar people here. And there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of industry headquarters or yeah. corporation headquarters here in, uh, in Orange City. So that makes it, uh, that makes it a real uh, interesting uh, and di- diverse place to be. Uh, and, uh, so we love it here. The last thing I would say is that Christendom is alive and well in Orange City. Yes. I'm sure it is. (laughs) It's a, that's a strange deal. Yeah. I lived in Des Moines before I moved up here and it's very, you know, Christianity doesn't really hold much cultural power in Des Moines, Iowa. 
And in Orange City, Iowa, it, Christianity holds all the cultural power. And yeah, so that's true. a strange context to preach into sometimes because that Christendom kind of reflex is very alive and well in this community. Yeah. Uh, so what is the, I mean, does the makeup of your church itself kind of reflect, I imagine there's a lot of, I mean, you talk about educated for a small town, but I imagine there's a lot of educational diversity there. Does your church reflect that pretty well, or do you find that you tend to draw people from one or the other in terms of education level? No, I think our church does reflect that. You know, we've got, we've got blue collar, we've got white collar, we've got college students, uh, and it's, I think it's pretty representative of the town actually. And I mean, you could, I suppose you could have a church, you know, with a lot more blue collar or white collar. I don't know. I would say we're, I would say we're pretty, pretty reflective of the town. Wouldn't you, Johnny? I think that that's true. Yeah. I mean, you, we have a couple PhDs in our church who teach at the college, a handful of MDs, doctors who work around town, a lawyer, you know, but that, but then there's also guys who uh, scrap metal as a as a hobby and halfway for a living, and people you know who are definitely doing blue collar work, and so we and farmers you know we have a lot of uh, you know a lot of people who work on their kind of family farms, so it does I think run the run the gamut for us. Yeah. All right. We'll talk about Dover Church then. Beyond that, like it's, uh, I I know this because we talked about this before we started recording. But Christian Missionary Alliance, what's what would you say the distinctive of that as a denomination is? Well, the distinctive is that we major on the majors and minor on the minors. And so our statement of uh, faith would be would be fairly short, and it would have all of the real. Highlights of what Christ, Christianity. I almost said Chris. I almost said Christendom, Johnny. <laughs> of what uh, you know, followers of Jesus are all about. And uh, the interesting thing with with the alliance is it started on the East Coast. There's about two thousand two thousand churches in the country uh, right now. But there are I don't even know what the number is. I know it's over thirteen thousand um, uh, assemblies uh, around the world that would connect with the CMA. So it's it's very outward focused, yeah. uh, very driven by missions, and they use the term uh, they're driven for great commission completion. That yeah. was the first time I'd ever heard that when I came into the CMA. <laughs> I mean, to complete the great commission. I mean, that's a that's a very lofty and very uh, worthy goal. I'd say it's a missionary focused denomination. I think there's as many non-English speaking congregations in America as there are English speaking. Yeah, I think I just found out it's actually 60-40, 60% English speaking and 40% yeah. another language is the primary. Which is wild. I mean, if you think about it. And then like Jeff said, there's, I mean, Ken Shigematsu, who you're going to talk to, is part of the Canada CMA. Yeah. And, you know, there's gotcha. uh, there's Christian Missionary Alliance and, and every country is their own denomination. They can make their own decisions. Like it's not like the United States presses right. uh, polity out to all of these denominations. They're about missions and then handing the church over to indigenous peoples and saying, Hey, you, you know, for the kingdom of God. And so it's, uh, that piece is very cool. I enjoy that a lot about our denomination. Yeah. Well then in the, within the life then of, Dover Church. Yeah, I just I always like to ask that that question just to get a sense because every tradition people come from these questions get answered a little bit different, and there's nuances yeah. that even affect how we do sermon prep. Uh, so that said, what is within the life of Dover Church? What is the role of preaching? Like, what role does it play? 
Well, the cool thing is everybody still sits still and is quiet during the message. <laughs> so that's helpful. Um, it's the it's the one time in the week when you get uh, thirty. 25 to 40 minutes and they're 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 gracious they'll they'll sit and listen up to 40 minutes and then they start bolting for the exits uh but they'll they'll give you that time and you can you can share a message uh with people and they they respect that time because they respect God's word and and that's that's really good now it's always up to us then to make it applicable make it relevant teach what the text is actually teaching and saying, have a relationship with the people in the church, and then do the, the what's in it, for, you know, ask the answer, the what's in it for me question. Uh, of course, that's all on the, the preacher's side of the equation. Uh, but the folks, uh, they, they appreciate preaching. And you're, I think you're always still, though, fighting against that. Okay. Yep. Sunday mornings, we have a sermon, we have a message, and then and then we go we go to family dinner, you know, and then we're out. Uh, now, I have to admit that I forget my message. As soon as I'm done with it, I'm sure. on to the next thing, right? <laughs> the problem is that sometimes with the people, too. So I think preaching overall can sometimes be over overrated in terms of what its effect is going to be on the church. But cumulatively over time, I think it has a great effect. Yeah. I uh I just reused a sermon from three years ago at another church, and I was talking to some uh, some guys I'm in a little discipleship group within our church about how I was being challenged by the sermon that I did three years ago in our congregation, and I was about to reuse it another because that's we're in Lent and we're using lectionary. <laughs> so all that to say, I said you know I described the sermon to them, you know not expecting that they would remember, but what they remembered was my Yoda illustration. So there they, you go. They do remember some things. <laughs> Absolutely. Illustrations yeah. for That's sure. Funny. Yoda. Like Yoda at least. Yeah. Um all right. Well then I, I'm looking back at your website and the sermons. I I, sh I suppose I should ask this question then. Talk a little bit about the role that each of you play. Because I see both of you preach quite a bit. You know, I see that you have titles of senior pastor and associate pastor, but talk a little bit about, because it sounds like there's a lot of collaboration here in your sermons. So what what's the role that each of you even play uh, in, in the preaching and in the preparation for your church? Uh, I had to hound Jeff, man, into giving me more of that sweet, sweet platform time. I tell you what. <laughs> well, you know, Johnny's really good, and so I can only have him there. For so long before <laughs> my authority begins to be threatened. Oh my! Right, but Johnny, right, right. Johnny, talk talk to talk to them about you know your experience just in preaching from when you got here until now. Because I, you know, if you ever leave, I want to. I would like to do that with somebody else sure. too. I mean, ideally. So go ahead. You know, I think I think it's a hard thing for pastors, senior pastors, preaching pastors, whatever you want to say, um, to to realize that they're preaching as much as they are. Um, and and so I don't think it's in a negative sense, right? I think that pastors, especially of churches our size, feel like maybe their primary responsibility is to bring a message. Uh, and so it, they don't think in terms of, I've already preached 40 times this year, maybe I should let somebody else, you know, take a couple swings at it. I think they think I'm, I'm here to do my job. So Jeff gave me opportunity right away. I think my first message at the church, we co-preached if I'm remembering correctly. 
Uh, and so he and I did it together. We prepped the message together. We delivered the message together. And uh, it was a huge learning experience for me. And then after that, he started to give me opportunity. He'd ask me, you know, to, how, how would you like to preach this week or that week? And I think probably in the first year I might have preached, oh, I don't know, six times. And then by now, it's if I'm not preaching <laughs> once a month, I start to get real itchy. Uh, but he's been very generous with that. I think the biggest thing was just telling him, Hey, I want to do this. I feel like, you know, um, it's good for me. It's good for you. It's good for the church. If I'm preaching once in a while, but if you're listening and think, Oh, I need to tell my pastor that I want to do this. Here's the key though. (laughs) You you have to be gifted and you have to be good. (laughs) That's right. True. Right. (laughs) And now Johnny maybe won't say it about himself, but see, I recognize that in him early on that he's just, uh, he's just a natural at it and uh and uh in some ways has but absolutely will be better than me uh over time and so that's you, you don't don't ask for the platform if god hasn't you know naturally sure. gifted you for that sure so i i think um as far as how we work together i mean we we co-preach a little less than we used to jeff went on a sabbatical a couple of years ago and i preached for the for the whole time he was gone for 3 months um, and I've found it's harder for us to co-preach after that because in those three months I developed a rhythm of prepping and a rhythm of planning and a rhythm of style. Harder for you, Johnny, not for me, brother. <laughs> it probably is. <laughs> not for me. When we come together, I feel like I'm, I'm coming and submitting. He's holding you back. No, 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 no. <laughs> it's, it's just you got it, John. submitting you got it. <laughs> the way that I would, that I would do the preparation is how I right. would say it. Or even submitting the way that I would do the delivery and then submitting some of the ideas that I bring. Cause when you co-plan with somebody, you leave stuff on the cutting room floor on both ends. Uh, and if it was my sermon, I could keep whatever I want. You know what I mean? There's a, there's a submission, but I think that makes it beautiful. It makes it harder than it was before, but, but it makes it, it makes it good. I think too, though, we've realized that for our people, they are benefited and they are blessed more when they hear from both of us, and then when at times they see the two of us working together and having a relationship and sharing truth like that, uh, it it has gotten a little harder for the both of us because it's like we both want to grab the wheel and (laughs) and floor the gas. (laughs) I used to be happier in the passenger seat. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I think it's better for our people to hear multiple voices, uh, again, as 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 long as they're good and gifted. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's. Um, uh, and you you teased me with something earlier, Jeff, before we were recording. Uh, you said, and I'm I'm only saying this as a tease because I'm not going to ask you to answer this right now. But you said that you two were talking about a sermon earlier today. Today's Thursday. You were talking about a sermon earlier today, and you weren't sure which one of you was going to preach it yet. <laughs> oh boy. I, I assume that's not this coming Sunday, <laughs> but but I just I dropped that out there because. Uh, I'm curious to hear like what it sounds like you're both part of the process for for the sermons. But even before we get to that, that's just a tease after the break. Uh, (laughs) Before we get to that, talk, talk even a little bit about how you plan out. It looks like you have a mix of you do some textual stuff and you also do some maybe some thematic stuff. So talk about how you plan your preaching calendar. What's that look like? Well, what it works for us here in the great northwest of Iowa, where you've got definite seasons. And, you know, you get somewhere where it's the same season all year round, it may be different. But for us, we start, uh, January, beginning of January, we normally start uh, preaching through a book. 
And normally in the last three, four years now, that has taken us uh, all the way through toward the end of August. So we'll preach through. And again, we have a lot of college students that attend. So they're here during the school year, and then they're gone for the summer. So they really only get, you know, the first part of the book that we're on. Uh, or the that series that we're on. And again, it usually comes from a book. But then when August comes, the first Sunday that the students are back, we usually do like a two-week, uh, the DNA of our church or the heart of our church or or uh, what our church is all about uh, type of a message because we find that there are people that are coming and visiting that have moved into the community, yeah. and maybe they've come for a few times, and it's good at about that point to just, and then for college students that might be visiting to hear what our church is about. After that, we'll do a seven-week fall series, and that's always going to be topical. It's going to be it's going to be on something for seven weeks, and we'll drive that with our with our small groups as much as we can. And then, uh, then for as an alliance church, we'll usually do two Sundays in a row where we have uh, missionaries come in, and they'll be with us for both Sundays and the week in between. And then after that, we've got a few weeks before Thanksgiving, so we'll do a. Uh, a three-week series uh, that's probably going to be topical, but it'll also. I think last year we did uh, we did uh, First John. Did we do First John or we I did Second so. John? No, we I know did we a did a short book. We did Second John, Third John, and Jude. Yeah, those three Sundays before Thanksgiving. Yeah, and then we we had uh, uh, then then you get into the Christmas season. Yeah, you do an Advent series, and you go through. Then you start and again. You start all over With again. Romans. <laughs> one, well, yeah, ro- yeah, we're doing Romans right now. And one year we did the Minor Prophets from yeah. January all the way through the end of the summer. That was a hoot, and we learned a ton studying the Minor Prophets yeah. together. So mm-hmm. that was great, and that's that's basically how it goes. And do you, do. You... You know, as you focus in on a book year after year, do you try to alternate between New Testament or Old Testament, or how do you choose those? Well, we, you know, we try to. However, we did uh, we did John in twenty fifteen. Sometimes that winter series ends, and you do a got. We've done gospels over some summers too, because you know. January all the way to summer can get a little bit. Did so we I do Mark? We've done Matthew, Mark, and John. I bet we I did, did Mark in 2014. Yeah. In 2015, we did John. In in uh, must have been 2013. We did Matthew then. Uh, no, we did the we did the uh, Minor Prophets. Oh, okay. Actually, so okay, so Mark, um, we did Acts last year. Right now, we're doing Romans. So we we've done uh, we've done John, Acts, and Romans. I think the last three years. Sure. And the first year we would have done Mark and then the minor Gospels. So yeah. we, we've we kind of spent a lot of time in the New Testament. Yeah. Um, because if you're spending time in the New Testament correctly, you're I think you, about the Old Testament yeah, anyway. you've got to. You've got to. You can't <laughs> yeah. explain the New Testament without yeah. understanding and explaining the Old Testament. So yeah, when we went through the minor prophets, then in order to do the minor prophets, you're going back in the law and the history books and yeah. explaining the whole story of Israel. All right. Well, good. Thanks. Uh, then let's talk about timeline. Like, just talk about one given sermon, uh, typically how it's going to shape up. Now, I, I know that there might be two answers here. There might be diverging answers. So I'm just going to let. <laughs> yeah. you, I'm just going to open it up. You guys have at it. How this works. I think Jeff you got a sermon I... in three days, and you don't know which one he's going to preach it. As far as I can tell. So. 
It's not quite like well, that. It's kind of like that. But part of that, though, honestly, for from my perspective now, maybe well, tell not them why it's from like Johnny. that. It's not a normal thing that would happen. It's not. It's not normal. But I consider you. Okay, hold on. Can there, I clarify? Are we talking about the sermon that's in three days right now? Absolutely, we are. Yes. Absolutely. Okay, yes. All right. Yeah. I have a. There, there's a funeral that I might need to do on the East Coast. And okay, okay. the timing of it, he know the timing of it is yeah, in question. Right. So, all right. So it's not like this every week. No, oh, goodness. No, 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 I can't think of another time. Okay. The only other time this has happened is we we worked together on a sermon the week before. Yes. And then the next week, Jeff was going to preach. He got laid over in Texas on a flight and he couldn't come home. And he told me Saturday night, Hey, Johnny, you got to preach. Well, I felt like I was already ready to go. Cause our preparation from the previous week, we looked ahead of a, a chapter for context. So I felt really ready. Jeff told the whole church, you know, Johnny's going to preach. And he just found out last night. So everybody thought I was just like lights out. Amazing. <laughs> well, the truth <laughs> is, I mean, it had been prepped a week before, but right. So that was a lot yeah. of fun, but then this does not happen normally. Well, that's <laughs> the benefit of preaching a, a series, especially in a book. Yeah, right. Cause you can't just look at the text, you know, the immediate text for that week when you're studying, you've got it. You've yeah, got to see the, the big picture. Yeah. So you're overlapping front and back all the time. Yeah. Right. I right. think, you know, Probably a lot of your listeners will curl their toes at this revelation. But Jeff and I work a week, the week of, both of us. I, I, I mean, I've had a lot of people who do that. That's pretty, it's not uncommon. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, but again, though, in the series, though, we're, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of overlap. It's not like we're starting something new every week. It's all building off of what we've been talking about. Right. right. Yeah. Everything connects back when you're working in a book. So if we're preaching Romans chapter eight, well, we've also preached Romans six and Romans seven and and all of that prep goes forward into the week that you're doing Romans eight. So, uh, but that's how we do it. Um, so for me, uh, for example, when I know that I have a preaching coming up, um, I'll, I'll read through it <clears throat> the week before and then, you know, just kind of leave it in there in the back of my mind over the weekend as I listen to Jeff preach uh, the the passage that's going to be preceding it. Or if I miss a Sunday, for whatever reason, I'll find it online so I can hear that preceding chapter. That's pretty important to me. And then uh, Monday, I read it and I look at some commentaries. And then Tuesday, I get deeper into the commentaries. And then Wednesday, I really start to put pen to paper, or I suppose hands to keyboard <laughs> would be more accurate. Uh, and then what I like to be is I like to have all of it written um, by the time I leave work on Thursday. I take Friday off, and then Saturday, um, I want to look at it again at some point. And then Sunday morning, I want to spend about 20 minutes rereading what I've got, getting my mind around it again, and then I'm I'm good to go. So that's pretty much what I do. But now f- f- with Johnny, Johnny grew up in a pastor's home. And, and he's, he's sharp. He's really sharp. So I to, can't speak to that. <laughs> well, you know, he says he reads the passage. He's, um, he's very theological and biblically literate and he's thought through mm. philosophically just a lot of scriptural themes and how his, his uh, major was, you know, the intersection of culture and theology and he and I have, we, we talk all the time about this stuff. So you're not, it's not like you're jumping in 
at the beginning of the week on something that right. you really haven't thought through. Right. And and he and I have also talked about um, major themes of Scripture that inform our our, our, her, our hermeneutic, our understanding of so much of Scripture. And so a lot of that work we've been doing together, honestly, over the last seven years, and that all comes into play every time we approach a passage. Yeah, you're never writing a sermon new. No. Sure. <laughs> you're picking up everything that you've ever written and read. And, and not everybody has that, though. Right, yeah. Not everybody has that yeah, If you're a young blessing. pastor and you haven't been preaching very long and, and maybe you didn't go to seminary, uh, it's going to be harder for you. I mean, there's going to be more work. But as time goes by, you start to build an internal library of sorts. And yeah. pe- I mean, students ask me a lot, college students, how do you see these connections in Scripture? And I'm like, man years of reading and studying scripture like yeah. there's no other way to say there's it no shortcut like, yeah the, there's no shortcut that's exactly right and so themes jump out at you when you've immersed yourself in the word and that's i i do depend on that that's very true yeah well and understandably i i, I hope that's true for all of us the more we preach that you know you're never starting from scratch every week because you're you're drawing on things you've read, things you've preached on before, things that you might remember from when you did this passage before that you didn't even use, but somehow they're still there. So yeah, that stuff just doesn't all wipe away and you got a blank whiteboard every week for sure. And John, John can I also say that this this uh, idea about preparation, how far ahead you do it and, uh, and how close to uh, Sunday morning you do it, I think more of that is determined by our own uh, personality and makeup than mm-hmm. it is by any, you know, standard that we're going to hold, uh, thinking that this is the right way to do it. So I worked with a pastor who uh, I remember one, one day I was in his office and he, op- he opened the drawer to his desk where the file folders were hanging and he put, he kind of straightened some papers, he stapled them. And he slid him in, and he goes, "There we go." He goes, "I'm four weeks ahead on my Sunday morning messages. They're <laughs> they're all done. They're all done for the next four weeks." <laughs> well, I am no more capable of doing that than <laughs> I am. I don't know. I don't, can't even imagine what else. But uh, I have to. It doesn't work for me. I mean, it's I am not finished with message preparation literally until it comes out of my mouth because. I'm still even on the platform, you know. I'm I'm wanting to communicate this, and if an illustration pops into my head, I mean, I vet it in a split second, and I may start to share that. And when I'm sitting in the front pew, uh, waiting for the you know the last song to finish up, I'm thinking, okay, in the moment here, what is the what has just happened in the last twenty minutes? What is the best way for me to connect mm-hmm. with our people? and to introduce this issue. And for me, I can't, I cannot finish it on Thursday and spend 20 minutes on it Sunday morning. And where I am in life, Johnny's got four little kids, six and under at home. Part Uh, of it is that. (laughs) He cannot, uh, as our friend John Finkeldy once said, it's a hellish situation (laughs) in order to try to try to prepare a message in that kind of an environment. But for me, I got to get it out of ways. Yeah, my youngest is almost 19. My three older ones are gone. I have so much space and so much, so much time at home over the weekend when everybody else is having their weekend. And now I've taken everything I've worked on through the week, everything I've thought about through the week, and it's really coming together for me in terms of presentation 
on a Saturday. And then lately, I've I've taken to getting up early Sunday morning. doesn't matter how ready I am. It doesn't matter. I'll get up early, and at 5.30 or 6, I will sit down and spend an hour and a half and just go through it. Just go through it and tweak and change and sharpen. And then I'm then I'm ready to go. But until I do that, I'm just not ready to go. For, so for all of you who have to wait toward the end of the week and the passion and the focus doesn't come until the end of the week, probably that's just how God wired you. You want to say, oh, I hate to, what's the word? It starts with a P, procrastinate. Yeah. I hate to procrastinate. Well, maybe you're not procrastinating. Maybe it's just how God wired you and designed you. And John, I've heard you say that you're the type that you can't work on it really far ahead either. I mean, I can work on it far ahead, but I can't get anywhere close to finished with it. Yeah, it's <laughs> right, right, right. flying around a billion, you know, I've got a billion ideas, but yeah, yeah like I, I definitely have not been able to be one who can say Thursday, end of the day, you know, this is it. This is what it's going to be. I really That's have to- That's my ideal situation. Yeah, it's not yeah. yeah. But John but also it, man, manuscripts some. He manscripts. He, yeah. I mean, he writes out his thoughts. His thoughts formulate when he- puts them on it's paper true. through the keyboard. And for me... I manuscript, but I don't necessarily read my manuscript. Right, right. <laughs> and, but for me, I, I don't do that. I just, I don't manuscript. I'll be reading and studying and reading and studying and reading and studying. And I, I just don't manuscript. I put down a lot of ideas, and but I don't do word for word. So what do you... Uh, I'm going to pick on each of you one at a time here. Johnny, you talked about how you'll start out Monday... You're going through commentary. Are you, I mean, are you just all digital? You've got Bible software and you're taking notes in a word processor or something like that. And your whole sermon's just living on that screen. Amen, John. Isn't that funny? <laughs> no, I, you know, all of my sermons are on Google Docs. Yeah. All my sermons are on Google Docs, but that's as technological as it gets. I use okay. paper, Bible, paper commentaries. Um, yeah. So, uh, we have, like I said, we have a little Christian liberal arts college in town. They got a couple commentaries. I've been known to go spend some time yeah, in the yeah, library. Yeah. Even <laughs> I don't have the money for it, but they do. So, uh, so no, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm pretty much the only technical part of what I do is that I write it all in Google Docs so that it's automatically saving and I don't lose anything. That's right. that's my biggest thing. Yeah. Yeah. And then, do you take? I mean, because it's Google Docs. Is it still pretty much you're using it when you're sitting down for that focus time? Or since Google Docs, you know, you can pull it up on your phone or pull it up anywhere. Do you find that you're, you know, dropping thoughts into it during a commercial break or anything like that? Or is it still you're pretty focused on when it's sermon time, it's sermon time? I Yeah, when it's sermon time, it's sermon time. I will think about my message um, at other times when I'm, you know, laying in bed, having a hard time going to sleep or uh, when I'm, you know, driving to pick up my son from school and I'll be thinking about it. I, I kind of have this thing where if the idea is good enough to make it in, then I'll remember it later when I'm sitting down to write it. You know what I mean? Um, so I'm not a big, like catch every thought kind of a person. There's no Evernote app on my phone. Uh, I'm not trying to document each, you know, idea that pops. That'd be horrifying, actually, if I tried to document every thought that popped into my mind. But, but it, if it's good enough and if it catches my brain, then I'll work on it a little more. And then when it's time to sit down and, and put some of that stuff to paper, then I'll do it. I also use my wife as a sounding board for a lot of this stuff. And she has helped a lot um, tell me that idea does not stick. 
You know, that idea is not, you might find that theologically interesting, but unless you can create the reason that I should care about that, it's not helpful to me. And so if I have an idea rolling around, I'll throw it at Kayla and I'll say, you know, what do you think about that? And she can really, she's got a lot of really good insights a lot of times about how sticky an idea really is versus how interesting it is to me as kind of a theology nerd. And that's also, that's also really helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And risky. <laughs> that's true. Dang it. You just threw out 75% of my sermon. That's happened, John. That has happened. That has happened. Yeah. Uh, so, all right. Well, Jeff, you come at 5 a.m. What do you, I mean, you said it doesn't matter how much you've got prepared. Like when you sit down at 5 a.m. on Sunday morning, you're, you're way more spiritual than me for sure. Uh, but when you sit down on Sunday morning, you know, for it all to come together, like what do you typically have at that point? Do you just have a notebook full of ideas or what are you working on? Like, did, was there, there was a lot of ambiguity in what happens during your week there. Ambiguity is my middle name, John. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I, my goal is to uh, read through the passage, oh man, at least a half a dozen times. And, uh, you know, hopefully more than that. And I'll, and I will pull it up on my Bible app at, when I'm just, hanging out somewhere. If I've got a little bit of time, I'll pull it up and I'll just read it. Cause when I read it, uh, and I'm, I'm not, uh, this is going to sound bad, but I, I don't consider myself a genius or a real high IQ person. So when I look at a passage, Johnny's shaking his head. When I, when <laughs> I look at to a, say about yourself, <laughs> when I, I know, when I look at a passage, I just try to look at it, look at it for the first time. Every time I read it, well, at mm-hmm. the same time, have the all the knowledge that I you know that I've always had about the Bible and about Scripture, and I have found in the last five to ten years that when I'm looking at a passage, all of a sudden my understanding you know big picture of the Bible comes into play, and I start to make these cross reference connections in my mind, and I, and I really want to do some synthesis and some synergy between passages and between teachings. And I do not want to teach my people. They're very, very well-fed, and they've been well-fed for many years. I don't just want to teach them this passage one more stinking time. (laughs) I want to teach them this passage in a way that they say, huh, that's, I never quite, I never quite made those connections. Not that I've never thought about that before, because that's probably going to be hard for me. But I've never made the connections which now cast this passage in a different light, which now means that I should respond to it a little, a little bit differently. And uh, so th- those are the kinds of things that I'm thinking of um, all the way through. But early in the week, I want to look at it. I want to look at it. Uh, I want to make connections with other scriptures. At some point, I want to look at the commentaries. Johnny picks up a commentary. He digests it more quickly than I do. Uh, I'm going to look at it. I'm going to I'm going to read a lot, probably a lot more of it, um, just because I, I feel like I'm not going to get it if I if I just skim it. Um, and uh and the, but then the weekends that's when i just i just sit around and read and poke and look here and look there and i go where my curiosity takes me if and i am always asking questions you know for god so loved the world well what does that mean really the world does really does god love everybody 
you know, and I'm, I try to ask, I do this on the podcast. I try my podcast. I try to ask the questions that my listeners yeah. are asking. And I guess maybe sure. because I've done that for years, I try to ask the questions that the average church member should ask if they truly believe that God's word was a hundred percent true and reliable and they lived in the real world. Cause there's a lot of troubling questions yeah. that should come up in our minds when we look at the Bible. So I don't know, maybe that's still ambiguous. Um, but when I, when I prepare a message, this message should reflect 30 years of teaching and preaching the Bible, not the last week. Right. Oh my goodness. Not the last week. Cause my last week could be filled with who knows what, <laughs> but the longer and longer I do this, um, I don't depend on the last week for maybe, I don't know, 15 to 20% of the message, but 80% of the message is cumulative time of studying and understanding. And the more I do it with other people, oh man, then the understanding is exponential. Hmm. All right. I'll take that. I'll allow that answer. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> so a, a question that's not on my normal question, but for the unique situation of you do two, you two Ugh, that's a, this is a complicated uh, question. <laughs> you, the both of you, do sometimes preach together. Yeah. So what is that? What does that process look like to put that together? To tell them how our podcast has informed this. Uh, just in the back and forthness of it. Yeah, yeah, because it's well. Our first, our first message we did together. There were four points. I did two, and you did two. Yes. That was pretty, like, straightforward. Yep. It's not like that anymore. No. I think that the preparation together takes a lot longer. Hmm. A lot longer. Because you're trying to get two minds tuned to one idea. Um, that can be tough. There's a lot of times that I say, <laughs> I have, like, classic quotes while we're preparing together. <laughs> I, you should just <laughs> preach this by yourself. Yep. That's a classic quote. That usually comes from, I don't frustration at the process. Um, I got it. We're good to go. That that I always I always say that about Wednesday afternoon. And I'm like, got what? We're and not even there. Jeff's, yet. Jeff's not even. Yeah, Jeff's not even taxied on the runway. And I'm like, I got it. We're good to go. So it's like trying to get two people. You know, I I go to the park and I push my kids on the swing, and they're never swinging at the same time. So I can't push both of them. You know what I'm saying? Like one hand on one and one hand on the other, all yeah. in synchronous time. They're always, one's heavier, one's, you know, crazier, one's whatever. That's what it is to prep a sermon together. Trying to get two minds on one idea, uh, it takes a little bit of labor. But the way it comes off, yeah, um, because of our podcast, it's very conversational. I mean, we'll talk in two, three-minute snippets and go back and forth eight, ten times, you know, but in the course of a sermon. So I think probably from a... a congregational perspective it's very engaging to watch us preach together that'd be my guess my wife tends to like it we get good feedback about it and so you, uh go do ahead you know where it's going to go when you start i mean how much of it is actually scripted and how much of it is a conversation that's emerging i forced jeff to a roadmap when we preach together <laughs> 
<laughs> he would. He's fine going up Johnny's there with laughing. nothing. Jeff, is, I do not hear Jeff laughing. I don't yeah, know if he stepped away from his microphone oh, or. No. <laughs> I force it. I say if I don't know at least somewhat this roadmap, Jeff, that's going to be a nightmare. See, to I'm, I'm much more comfortable believing in me and believing in him, and knowing that it's going to come out in the moment. And he is like, no, wait a minute. So he's got to see it. And like when I, Johnny, when I preach with you, <laughs> I trust us together sure. to get there. And when I preach with me, I, I guess I need to know more, which is kind of weird. So yeah. you need to know when you, when we preach together, you need to know where I you're going know. and yeah. where it's going to end up. Yes. So we have. Sometimes the conversation we, emerges within that. But we have, we have very definite, we have a very definite direction when yes. we preach together. Yep. We know what we're talking about. We know what the, what the magic of the passage is. I would just like to have that more clearly on paper. And Jeff is more like, we know it. It'll come out of us. It'll come out right because right. it's inside. We've got this. Hey, we did this. We did the conference in Michigan. Yes. And we had not even two sides of a page. It was horrifying. And we did two one-hour workshops, part one, part two. Oh. No, they weren't workshops. They were like general I had an sessions. Ulcer. Yeah. And Johnny says to me, he's like, he holds up the paper and he goes, this is not a good idea. This is not a good plan. It was not a good plan. And, but at that point, we were working on a, on a, on a concept that we had sure. literally been working on for four years together. We preached on four different series, four yeah. different years on it. We knew this thing inside and out. We knew what we wanted to communicate. So we just had a roadmap and that was it. And we literally went for two full hours yeah. on this thing. And it was it was great. It was phenomenal. But we had done our homework over the course of years yes. to get there. Yeah. So how do you decide when a sermon's gonna be a collaborative sermon? I think the best is when we have the preaching calendar out and we pick and we say, Okay, yeah. here's what's upcoming. We need to, you know, then I uh, usually insist at that point that I'm going to need some Sundays. <laughs> so usually it's like we write the we write it out, and then I say, "Now which ones am I preaching?" <laughs> I yeah, exactly. Probably two to myself. three months in advance. Yeah, yeah. We know which Sundays we're going to have. Yes. Which Sundays we're going to we're going to work together. Yeah. So that's that's when it happens. It doesn't happen very maybe one or two times in five years jeff has said hey i think this would be better if we preached it together like the week of or the week in advance uh otherwise it's on the calendar out away but, what, so but what, like which like how do you choose those i mean you're you're looking two months down the road is it you just know in the back of your mind that well um, or it's going to be a collaborative certain like i think how does it, that when, it comes to the, when it comes to the when we're going through a book it's a crapshoot you know what i mean like we'll pick one but maybe not with a reason when it's thematic we pick them because we think okay this will be better for our church to hear a 54 year old and a 30 year old say together do you know what i mean we lend each other credibility in some way um romans chapter one that was one we marked out as a co-preach because it's touchy stuff right in romans chapter one uh i'm Romans one, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah the last, yeah, yeah. the last part of Romans yeah. one. And yeah. so right, right. we lend, we have, we have a mixed congregation in that there's a lot of 20 somethings, a lot of 20 somethings, and there's a lot of 50, 60 somethings. 
Uh, and they they might see different things in Romans 1. We go up there together and we feel like, okay, we get the credibility with the 20-somethings because I'm up there. And we get the credibility with the 60-somethings because Jeff is up there. And we know everybody's covered and everybody feels trusting of what's happening on the platform because we're up there together. Now when we preach on a touchy issue, right, then then there's credibility to go around. Not that Either Jeff or I don't normally have that credibility, but especially when it's going to be a cultural issue, something that's kind of like hard in those territories. Uh, we preached on love together because we were demonstrating what love and submission, you know, mutual submission looked like by preaching together. So we try to think in those terms. Sometimes, yeah, it's Romans 7 and who knows why. Well, but a lot of times we choose it because of the topic. And sometimes we will lay out the texts and the passages and we'll say, Johnny will say, oh, I kind of like this. Let, let me preach. Let, let me do that. Or I'll say, hey, Johnny, you should preach this passage. And then one of us will, won't will preach as much on a given Sunday, and we'll decide to break that into two. And then the whole thing shifts, right? So yes. now we're locked in because of our calendar, and we end up preaching different passages anyway. But that's where I, you know, I was going to say earlier, and I don't think I got the sentence out, but as far as I'm concerned, when you're up there preaching, it's as though I'm up there preaching. Sure. I don't see any difference for our people. Uh, I have that confidence that whatever you say, right. I would say the same thing. You don't. You would agree, though, that for an issue, a touchy cultural issue, there's right. a huge benefit to us doing it together. Yeah, because then we model. We model. Sometimes we think differently about civil it. discourse. Yes. <laughs> yeah. it, yes, and so we model that because the truth is. Uh, 60 year olds think about a lot of uh, social cultural issues very differently differently than younger people, but they both think that they're seeing that issue through the lens of scripture. Right. Maybe credibility wasn't the right word. Yeah. They're not always. That's a good explanation. All right. Thanks. I I don't know that I've ever, uh, I've definitely talked to people who have a very collaborative process but maybe not with the level of interplay. Certainly, I don't know that I've done interviews with people who do as much co-preaching, co-preparation, yes, but not necessarily co-preaching as you two, too. So mm-hmm. this has been kind of fun. That's what's fun to well, me, even after 80-something episodes that, you know, you think, well, this is what summer prep looks like. You sit down with your commentaries on Monday and you do this on Tuesday. But sure, <laughs> it's just fun to see how many different things emerge in these conversations. So, So in case anybody's out there thinking, oh, we should do that, here's the backdrop. Johnny and I have done 220 right. podcast episodes together. That's made sure. our co-preaching a lot better. <laughs> we we started we started after Johnny had been here only five months. We started doing a weekly podcast, and so we have to go kick it back and forth and know when to come in. So it was after doing that for a number of months that we started doing co-preaching, and but we didn't preach like we were on a podcast. But then after a while, we realized. Right. Hey, let's just do it like we would do a podcast episode. More engaging. So if you don't do a podcast episode with your fellow staff member, then right. you know it's not going to be as be smooth as natural. and natural. So <laughs> right. there's got to be a yeah, there's got to be a lot of established rapport through conversation. Period. Right. But yes, I would imagine the podcast itself would create a whole new dynamic of that. That's especially helpful. Hmm. Uh, any any resources books that the two of you have found, especially besides the 200 churches podcast available to you at 200 churches.com two zero zero churches.com. Uh, any, any other resources that have helped shape the two of you as preachers or the kind of preaching you do? Maybe they're preaching books. Maybe they're not. 
Jeff has the word biblical commentary. Oh yeah. Oh, uh, I I know I'm not. I know a lot of your guests have have used this one. That is, I love the word biblical. Uh, I'm always grabbing that when we're starting a sermon series. So that's a huge thing for me. I think on a very basic level, um, just for like some quick insights, the the New Testament for Everyone commentaries by N.T. Wright are yeah. are great. Um, they're not going to give you like super deep insight, but it, it could really, I think, shake something loose for you. Jeff, what do you? What is this? Uh, the sermon specifically, like pastoral oh, yeah. commentary. What's this the called? Teach the text series. Teach the text series. Yeah, yeah. Jeff likes those. Unfortunately, they're not going to finish the whole New Testament now. Apparently, oh, they didn't uh, sell well enough. Well, I, actually, the whole Bible. They're they're finishing them in paperback, but okay. they started in these really nice hardback. But teach the text yeah. commentaries are very very practical and helpful. I think I'm not that, sure I know uh, those. who published those. Yeah, who does? Thomas Nelson is that what that is? Huh. Do you know? I don't know. I'm looking at the binding and trying to discern. I'm Amazoning Maybe right Baker. Now. Baker Books. Baker Books. Okay. Baker Books. Teach the text commentary series. We, one of our guests wrote one of these. So that's kind of, uh, I think, yeah, what yeah. got us into it a little bit. Janine Brown wrote one on Matthew that's really phenomenal. Okay. Um, let's see. I like I like theologians. So um, Karl Barth, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, Walter Brueggemann, their books whatever their book is. <laughs> We're in Romans, so I have Bart, you know, the Epistle of Romans, but uh, that informs my preaching a lot. I like to use quotes from theologians to make myself look smarter than I am <laughs> um, that I think can be helpful for people. So N.T. Wright, Scott McKnight, I mean, all these all these guys who uh, really have spent time, their, their life in, in theology and in the Word of Johnny, God. Johnny, you remember that one time I used a quote and I put it up and I didn't really, I, I put it up as a quote but I didn't really ascribe it to anybody. And the truth is I said it, but I felt like if I just said, here's what I think, our people would be like, oh, yeah, that's just you, pal. But if I put it up on the screen now it's a quote. with quotes, like it's a that. quote and it has some kind of authority. Yeah. And honestly, it could be the best thing I'd ever said. That's so a that's pastor why I put trick for your listeners, John, right there. That's now I've just one. been labeled a liar. <laughs> <laughs> and then I think InterVarsity has a some wise man once said. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Exactly. Dictionary of Jesus and the Gospel, Dictionary of Paul and His Epistles. Those are those are really handy reference books as well. Those are IVP, so, yeah, or InterVarsity. Yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I like to grab all that stuff. If I thought it, it's. I better check it out. That's usually what I think. If I have an idea about a passage, I better go back and find it out. Because as pastors, we've all heard a lot of sermons in our life, and not all of those sermons had good information. And uh, don't repeat something you heard in a sermon once because you heard it in a sermon. Go track that information down and find out if it holds up, you know? I I know for a fact I've preached sermons that did not have good information. (laughs) (laughs) I can remember a few. Yeah. Well, I, and I've learned from Johnny this thing about uh, reading theologians. You know, I would look for commentary sets, yeah. but, uh, you know, we like, we like. I don't know if you mentioned N.T. Wright, yeah, but Wright, we yeah. like N.T. Wright. And uh, he's introduced me to a lot of these theologians. I, he just saw a book on my desk. He said, hey, is that Walter Brueggemann book? Is that is that new? I'm like, yeah. yeah. yeah just a prophetic imagination. Is that what it is? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah. 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 So I can't wait to uh, to dig into that. But we also, uh, what I'll use a lot is the Blue Letter Bible. On uh, it's online. That's true. That's Blue a good Letter one. Bible. Dot something. You could look it up. It's like Lagos um, Light. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It's got some very, very helpful, very yeah. helpful things to it. 
that uh, that that work real well, and it's and it's fast. You just pull it up, boom. Yeah. You can search. It's a helpful tool. Blue it's, Bible. it's very fast. Now I've also I also have uh, Lagos on my on my computer, and it's the gold edition. So yeah. it's really high end, and it's really good, and it's like. I feel like a 10-year-old getting into a Maserati, and I've got the Autobahn in front of me. <laughs> and I just can't – I can't hardly get going on it. I mean, I I work on it. I, we've been really – Johnny and I both – I mean, he's been having kids, and we've been doing the podcast and pastoring the church, and I've been graduating and marrying kids and having grandkids and finishing degrees, and I just haven't taken the time. I've got all the training videos. I've got the little courses. I haven't taken the time to really get into Lagos yet. Um, I use it. I use it. But every time I use it, I'm well aware that I am just never getting out of first gear. Uh, but I I would recommend it. However, I would recommend it. And if you if you don't have a lot of irons and a lot of different fires and you are uh, you're academic and cerebral, uh, and uh, maybe an introvert. If you have all those good things going for you, man, get Lagos. <laughs> well, gonna, you, you're gonna love it. I'll give you my one log. I, I mean, I'm I'm the same way. I I I have Lagos. I love Lagos, and you know, I certainly use it for every sermon. But I'll I'll tell you, I'll email you, Jeff, the one, and I'll just say this out loud here. But there's no way I can explain it in podcast form. Maybe I'll link to it. But there's one particular search you can do that looks through your entire library for all of the references, you know, all the, all the mentions of whatever text you're studying. And I use that almost every sermon. And that alone makes me feel like I'm at least using the full power of Lagos. I know I'm not, yes. that sounds, yeah, that I sounds hear good. but I know that, yeah, I mean, I've got church dogmatics in there and I've got NT right for everyone and, you know, all of the dictionaries. So I know that at least every time Romans chapter three, since we've been talking about Romans, you know, is Romans three twelve is mentioned. I know I'm at least going to find it in my library. So I'll post I'll post on our show notes today, and I'll send to you that what that little search term is because it's super helpful. Just that much, I feel like okay, I'm getting my money's worth out of this, even though there's yeah. way more that I, I don't do with it. Oh, I hear yeah. you. Well, uh, for somebody who wants to, we've mentioned two hundred churches dot com two zero zero churches, uh, but for for the other things, I mean, do you, either you you do the tweets, do you do, do either you blog, the churches, doverchurch.org, but where else can people find you? Oh, yeah, that's... 200churches.com. <laughs> if you want to see my kids, you can follow me on Instagram, I suppose. There you go, yeah. I yeah. yeah, I mean, we're really at, you know, doverchurch.org is our website. Uh, if you're you... just jonesing to listen to some of that good preaching, yeah, there, doverchurch.org, there that'll... <laughs> yeah, so so Johnny and I are, we're, neither one of us have a natural affinity for highly administrative type stuff. No. So you'll look at our website and you'll go, yeah, these guys really aren't that administrative. That's and, uh, and our administrative assistant is also our worship director, and so she's more... She's more passionate in that direction. Social so. media has only ever brought me pain and suffering. Yes. Because I've shared my opinions and they have not been well received. So I stay off of the social media, John. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, if you just search our search our names, uh, almost everything's going to kind of come up through 200 churches. Yeah. And if we could give you, uh, of course, we're going to now interview you, John, for <laughs> the 200 Churches podcast. Uh, that is probably going to be episode 220. So you'll certainly want to listen to episode yeah. 220. And then, man, I would re recommend going to episode 200, a nice round number. And that's our one hour long conversation with N.T. Wright. 
where we get wow. him to talk about to talk about his thoughts and what he thinks Paul's thoughts would have been towards small church pastors, and it is off the charts encouraging for small church pastors. Yeah, that's, that's episode two hundred. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, guys. This will be I don't I can't even tell you what episode number you'll be eighty something. You're you're way more administrative than me. You already know episode numbers. Yeah. Well, we <laughs> we work we work close to the vest. That's right. Yes. <laughs> But yeah, thanks so much. Thanks for the quick response and for joining me. It's it's been great to talk with you too about sermon prep. Thanks again, Johnny and Jeff. You can tell I had a lot of fun with that conversation. Had just as much fun being interviewed by them. Um, they're better answer givers than I am, and they're better question askers than I am. So I'm not sure which podcast got the raw end of the deal, but I'm thankful for the opportunity to uh, to dialogue with them and talk through all of this. If you're appreciating and enjoying the podcast, I hope you'll consider supporting the podcast at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash SermonSmith. There you can pledge any amount of your choosing per episode that gets published just as a way to help support my time and some of the costs that come with hosting the website and, and all of that. So thanks so much for considering that. Talk to you again soon.